And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today is my good friend, Dr. John Vance. Hello, everyone. So how are you today, John? I'm not doing bad. You're, you're looking fine. Well. Got this um, exotically colored shirt on here. It just uh, really glows in the studio. I, I wish we were on camera, in fact. Well, hey. I just better not come across any bulls in the field. It's it's it's, kind of, it's a red yeah, hue right. of red. Yeah. Um, today's discussion, uh, I think, it's going to start out on uh, family. Actually, something near and dear to all of our hearts. Um, family. Uh, maybe you could get us started, John. Uh, what's the origin of of family? Family. Uh, the idea and concept of family, of course, is an institution of creation. And what that means is that uh, God created human beings, male and female, and uh, it's obvious that uh, we were created uh, not only male and female to love each other, but to have children. Mm. And and so the the family that we talk about, or the idea of family that Christians talk about, was instituted by God in creation. It is, if you will, a natural institution. Yeah, It is the way or the means that everyone should group themselves to live and have children. And in the biblical concept, it is, uh, of course, in Christ's teaching in the New Testament in several places in Matthew, uh, one man and one woman uh, pledge themselves to each other in the sight of God. And uh, they do so not only to benefit each other and to encourage each other in this difficult life, as we were talking Mm. about off the record, yeah, but on the other hand, also to have children. Yeah, it's true, and to raise up the next generation to serve and praise the Lord, and and to enjoy this wonderful and beautiful world. It's a beautiful institution, and you think of um, like a young person, you know, maybe graduated from high school and going to college, university, and um, it's um, it's almost inevitable that young person starts looking for their life's mate. It's just a natural process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like God has baked it in, built it in, and it happens almost uncontrollably. And you, you know, it's got to be controllably, of course. But um, they look for their life's mate, and that's a very healthy thing. It absolutely is. It's uh, not only the family is it biblical, but uh, I would also have to say that it's uh, reasonable. Yes. Uh, it makes sense. It's the way we're designed and functioned, isn't it? Yeah. Male and female, to, to we're opposites. Mm. We're still all human beings, but we're opposites. Uh, and we enter into each other's differences as well as sameness. Yeah, and, and it's good that there's differences. Absolutely. Uh, it may, that may come across as, oh, that's going to be uncomfortable. But no, there's that's a very good thing. <laughs> um, what about that young person that's um, just starting to become aware that, wow, I really need to find uh, my future wife or that young lady. I need to find that man of my dreams. Uh, what um, guidelines might you might we give them today? Of course, uh, I, I'm, I think the Scripture is clear in teaching that we are to marry in faith. Mm. That is, uh, a, a Christian who uh, loves God uh and who professes the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior should should be marrying like-minded uh, persons, because there is a sense in which you you would interject a a fundamental division within that union if it were not in faith. Mm. And and the Bible is seems to me to be clear on this point. It really is. 
the longing of of um, the human soul really for fellowship at that personal level uh, first of course we we long for fellowship with our creator you know god in christ and that's the ultimate fellowship but it's a very natural thing to long for this human fellowship uh, that that produces family it's also true that human beings cannot be ends in themselves. God is the end. We, he, <laughs> he's our reason and purpose. And when the coin gets tough in marriage, for instance, uh, if I'm counseling someone and they have no uh, faith or, uh, or or trust in the Lord, uh, it is difficult to get them out of the mode of thinking of their own happiness or this or mm-hmm. that. Uh, there is a higher purpose in life to serve the Lord, and sometimes yes. that will take you through. For instance, in a relationship with your husband or your wife, when times are tough, you know there yeah. are tremendous financial pressures that that cause uh, problems in the family. Oh yeah, or there are there are tremendous differences in approach to life. Sometimes you discover in marriage, but if you're both focused on the purpose that God has made you to serve the Lord, it can mm. often see you through the difficult times of raising children and of yeah. being out of work or whatever. Now, besides the Christian faith, another thing I can think of, just very simple and practical, is that a young person should be looking for in, in their future mate is just simply emotional stability. Yes. You know, uh, that they're, uh, that they're um, a settled person and not... Um, let's say, crying all the time or given to drug habits or um, depressed. I mean, if they're starting out that way and, you know, let's say suicidal or whatever, um, that's probably not a good choice for a mate. You should never, you should never. it seems to me, ignore what I mentioned last week and maybe week before and a week before when I was mm-hmm. here, a reason. That's right. Uh, when, when you start to get married, it, it would not be healthy for a 20-year-old man to marry an 80-year-old woman. No. That, that doesn't pass the test of reason. Now, what about this also? Uh, young people looking for guidance on who to marry. Um, their own parents, if they're Christian parents, have been through a lot of experiences. Wouldn't it make sense to seek some counsel from your parents? I, I would think absolutely yeah. think so. You have more experience in this area than I do, though. You have, well, not much. You have married uh, <laughs> actual uh, two, uh, two, three married, two married, two, yeah. two married, and one maybe. Sometimes I lose track. But. <laughs> <laughs> two more who are who maybe in the yeah. future. But uh, yeah. I have one married daughter. That's wonderful. And you have uh, two married daughter and a married son. That's right. Well, let's take a short break today. We're talking about family here on Redeemer Broadcasting on a Plain Answer. I'm Dan Elmendorf in the studio with me, Dr. John Vance. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. 
Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf in the studio with me today, Dr. John Vance. We're talking about family. Before the break, we discussed briefly uh, some of the thoughts that a young person would go through as they seek for their life's mate. And certainly, uh, to close out that thought, certainly prayerfully seek for God's mate for you. Um, it um, may sound glib, but I do believe that he has a mate out there for you. Seek him prayerfully and in fellowship with God's people and faithful church attendance. Now, um, we're talking about family today. It seems to me, John, that we live particularly at a time here in America where there seems to be some attempts to tear down the traditional biblical family. Can we talk about that a little bit? Well, of course, you've you've understated it. (laughs) (laughs) The family is under uh, tremendous pressure and attack, and not just in the U.S., but in Europe and in many parts of the world. Uh, We we are told that, uh, for instance, same-sex marriage is fine. Now, in the political realm, I understand some people are libertarian and they leave that up to society because it's not, uh, of course, operating on biblical moral uh, standards or ignores the law. And Paul does Mm -hmm. say something about you judge those within, not without. Mm -hmm. So um, that aside, the problem is that a family is absolutely crucial uh, to civilization or culture. Uh, T.S. Eliot, in in his notes on a Christian uh, society, points out that the family is the basic unit of society and that culture is actually transmitted in the family. Mm. Now, if the family does not function uh, rightly, or is, to use a psychological term, dysfunctional, you cannot maintain a way of life in Mm. society that benefits all people. So the family is absolutely crucial for a stable life and a stable society it is and and these attacks upon the family of course uh, are attacks actually upon uh, goodness and civilization yes there's no other way to say it indeed look what uh, the advocates of same-sex marriage for instance are doing in our day first of all it wasn't heard of a hundred years ago uh, and it was shameful and furthermore it's condemned in scripture look what it you is. have to do to make an argument for same-sex marriage, you have to ignore the scriptural injunctions that are clear in the Bible. Secondly, you have to ignore thousands of years of tradition. Right. And thirdly, you actually have to cut off your head <laughs> uh, because it is totally unreasonable. Uh, we, we can even see in God's design and creation of men and women that they are physically compatible yeah. to have children. 
and to raise them. One thing I enjoyed um, as we raised our family, um, our kids and family, we got um, into 4-H. We raised some animals. And um, that's just a really simple lesson um, about the facts of life for kids to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, um, we had ducks, we had chickens, we had sheep. Uh, at you know, at various times we had had rabbits. Now rabbits are a great example of, of <laughs> <laughs> they always kid about multiplying like rabbits. Well, let me tell you, that's true. But that was a great segue actually when it came time to talk to a, one or two of the kids about some facts of life. Um, it was just a very convenient, natural, wonderful example of you know they'd seen things happening here with the animals. It, it was normal, natural, and. And so now we put the Christian context around all of that with with uh, human beings and and finding your life's mate and yes and ha- eventually having children. I would I would say and the, for the listeners out there, uh, let's just set aside what the Bible has to say for a moment. Let's talk about something mm-hmm. that that is in fact grows out of human experience. I think I can safely say that if we continue to exalt deformities of families, mm. what things that are not constructed properly, we are attacking ourselves and committing suicide. I agree with that. It takes a man and a woman to raise a child. It takes a man and a woman uh, to construct a family that is that is going to benefit society. We are reaching the tipping point where we got so many deformities in yes. family life that it is draining all of our resources. Yes. It is it is obvious that in the educational process our public schools or whatever cannot really educate children from dysfunctional families. They get no support at home. Yes. You go on and on and on. We are spending trillions upon trillions of dollars in social transfers Yes. Trying to overcome these deformities, and it can't be done. You could you could triple, you could quadruple the amount of money we're spending, yes. and it wouldn't do one thing to improve these families. The, I agree. The path we're on right now leads to the destruction of civilization. Everything it, le- it leads to the dis- think about it to the destruction of civilization. Uh, this is so unhealthy, so unnatural. Uh, so unbiblical, and like you say, you got to cut off your head yes. to believe the kind of stuff that's being shoved down our throats today. It's ridiculous. And there's another area of concern to me, and that's having children. Mm. A fellow by the name of Paul Ehrlichman, I think that's his name, some years ago wrote a book on the population explosion. The world is already, uh, supposedly by his figures, maybe it was written in the 70s, I don't remember when, mm-hmm. should have already been overrun and everything has yeah. fallen to the ground. Uh, there would not be a square inch almost of where people oh, were yeah. not. Yeah. It was a total myth then. It's a total myth now. It in really fact, is. America and in particular Europe are in great trouble culturally and civilizationally because they're not having enough children. That That is a fact. That is a fact. Um, we live out here in an area that um, <clears throat> is lightly populated, certainly. But I've seen um, studies done where they will take the whole population of planet earth you know over six maybe going on seven billion people and said okay if if we pack them into the density of new york city this is where everybody would fit i think it's uh texas you know the state mm-hmm. of texas mm-hmm. or some something like that but you get the point folks this world is not overpopulated 
nowhere close. And as soon as you start thinking that lots of humans are bad, you need to wake up and think and realize that human beings are our greatest resource. Absolutely. It's it's the clearest oh, thing on the face of your nose right. is that human beings are the greatest yeah. resource ever. They're valuable. They're precious. They're precious in the sight of God. They're made mm-hmm. in the image of God. Last week we talked about communications and Christian in the media. And uh, you pointed out, John, how that Christians, because they're made in the image of God, they have this um, wonderful ability to communicate. Uh, you have the spoken word, the written word, and you have Jesus you spoke of mm-hmm. as being the Logos. Oh, it's it all ties together. It does. Uh, in uh, in Europe, for instance, let's, let, let me tick off a couple of statistics that are in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not exact. I, I'm just going on memory here. Uh, but I think Italians are having about 1.2 children uh, per couple. Mm. Uh, I think in France about 1.3. Now, it actually takes 2.1 children. Now, of yes. course, you understand two point, the one. I hope you point sure. one. 2.1 children to replace yourself. And that's only to replace yourself. That's only to replace. Yeah, that's not growth. In Italy, in France, in much of Europe, the replacement rate is so above the numbers of actual children hmm. that they're creating a cultural vacuum in their countries. And guess who's moving in well, I, and I having plenty of children? I think and I what know. means is that Europe, uh, most uh, sociologists and people who follow uh, trends and demographics in society will say that it is not possible for Europe to remain, even though it's in name only Christian, yeah. it will be Muslim. Oh, yeah, it will just be. Just through birth yeah. rate. Oh, yes. I think as men in the church, our hearts need to be that, that we have a love for children and that we encourage our fellow Christians in the church to have a love for children. I mean, that's our future. The scripture uh, talks about children being a heritage of the Lord. Oh, yeah. It talks about... Uh, like arrows. Oh, oh yes. In uh, the hands of a warrior. Just think about that. Just imagine if you had a gun with no ammo and you had to defend yourself. <laughs> or years ago, if you had a bow and, and the enemy was coming... And, you know, it was a it was a godly cause, let's say a just war, and you had to defend yourself, but you had no arrows. What good would that be? And God uses that same um, similarity, that same analogy to, to a child, that they are like the arrows in the hands of a great warrior. You can even see the economic impact of not having children. Oh, my. Uh, when uh, Social Security was started, and I'm not arguing in favor or not mm-hmm. of Social Security, uh, it's a fact of our life, mm-hmm. but it can't be funded in the future, and it's going to go bankrupt. I think the the oh, the, yeah. uh, the date is uh, is uh, what uh, 2026, something like that. Mm-hmm. That there will be no money. Mm-hmm. But anyway, when Social Security started out, I believe the figure was that there were 16 workers to every one person who retired. <laughs> Today, that is down maybe below four to one, mm-hmm. and going to two to one. Now, yeah. that cannot be sustained. No, it's impossible. Of course, we're getting into some of the economics here, and I can't resist taking that rabbit trail, but I do want to say this, that the economic situation today has elevated itself to a moral concern, at least in, in my heart, in my family, um, because of economics. It, it's, a, it's a moral issue now, because, because what you have is, is um, legalized thievery where you take from somebody that's productive 
and you, you, you extract, you steal that money and give it to somebody that doesn't want to work. Well, think about what you're doing. Here is a family, let's say, if a mother, father, and three children, and they want to send their children, let's, let's just say, to Christian school. Mm-hmm. And they decide, no, we can't because too much of our income is going elsewhere, yes. and we don't have the freedom then to send our children, let's say, to Christian school. Or let's say, for instance, you want to make a choice to send your child to a college. Yes. You, you may not be able to do that because that income that you will use is now being transferred to others. Very true. Who, so it cuts down your freedom. Yeah. Money, as, as Milton Friedman, the great economist at Chicago, used to say, money is freedom. Yes, some of you uh, homeschool families out there, you know what it feels like, at least here in New York State and probably other states, where you pay double. You choose to homeschool your kids. You buy all the textbooks, all the experiments, and all the field trips. You pay for it all yourself. And then on top of that, you pay your school taxes. <laughs> and then you got to do your quarterly reports reporting to the school district of what you're doing in your home. And then the powers that be are trying to, to eliminate your yeah. ability to educate your own children. Yeah, we need, uh, we need to maintain freedom here. And, um, well, we got off the subject. Today we're talking about family, and we're almost at the end of our program today. Uh, we would encourage you to develop, if you don't already have, a deep love for children. That is truly our future. Um, coupled with that is the idea of um, a child being born into a Christian home. How does God view that? What kind of status does that child have? Is it the same as a child that's born to the heathen, or is there some special status? Of course, you set me up, uh, Dan, nicely here, but this leads to the idea of uh, the relationship of children to parents. For mm. Christian believers, they have a promise from God that non-believers do not have or do not care to have, I suppose, because right. they don't believe. Right. But God has given believers a promise. He says, I will be a God to you and to your children. Mm. And I believe if I raise my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that he indeed, in his sovereignty, will work in their hearts and lives. Uh, this we call in my circles covenant theology. Yes. Uh, but whether you want to use that term or not, it's it's – Take yeah. these biblical concepts are very, very yes. important. I mean, it's it's no coincidence that um, that you've been given a child if you're a Christian, and uh, that's a very special relationship that God has set forth in your home. And uh, indeed, you are to raise that child for the glory of Christ and after His ways. Well, any any wrap up thought we before well, well we... focusing on children. It, it is very important. I don't think I would want to have children if I didn't have a positive promise from God mm. that He would not only save me, but He would be the God of my children. Right. Uh, and I'd like to encourage Christian parents, particularly to 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 have children. Yes, it is very important not only for your society but for your church. It's important not only for your church, it's important for you. It is. And there is a richness that surrounds the family, biblically constructed, mm-hmm. that can money can't buy. And, and even if things get worse and worse economically, and they probably will, <laughs> uh, considering the path we're on right now, unless some, some miracle happens, still have those children. Yes, don't shy away from it. Absolutely. The, yeah. the, they are indeed the heritage. Yeah, that, you might, uh, might think, oh, I can't afford them. Nonsense. You can. 
God will provide. <laughs> They're his kids. He's given them to you. Well, with that, we're out of time already. Today, we're talking about the family here at Redeemer Broadcasting. In the studio has been Dr. John Vance. I'm Dan Elmendorf. This entire episode is up on our website. Check it out. We're found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Just look under Resources, and you'll see a Plain Answer podcast. Quick reminder to join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs> 